And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Hockey Show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to your Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. It's Ian Mendes and Julian McKenzie with you for the next hour or so. And I promise not to treat this like a therapy session because my favorite pro sports team on the planet, the only team I cheer for because of the industry I work in, I can't cheer for hockey teams. The Dallas Cowboys are out and we're going to have a little bit of fun with this. Comparing them to the Maple Leafs. But I promise you, I will not get, we're not going to get bogged down. We're not going to turn this into the athletic uh, football show. Don't worry. Don't worry. I mean, about I, I just want you to know, as, as someone who has another podcast with a Dallas Cowboys fan at the center of that, I am, I'm going to do the same thing I did with that person. I will provide a space, safe I, space. a safe space for you to vent. And express how you feel about the game because I I I love you very much and I value you are as as a friend I value our friendship and our relationship as podcast hosts and I feel that you are entitled to a space where you can feel out your feelings about such a terrible loss. I mean, this was supposed to be the best Cowboys team in what like thirty years or something. But 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 you know you have to deal with Stephen A. Smith and all these other types saying you guys are an accident waiting to happen. I know, yeah, the Toronto Maple Leafs comparisons. Look, dude, yeah. if you need the space, by all means, please, yeah. please take it. Okay, so I'm gonna start with this. I'm just gonna. Oh my god! Put this on here. <laughs> you actually wore that. Oh man, this is the, this is the exact opposite of what I of what I got with uh, the yeah. CJ show with, with, with uh, Chris Johnston. So look at. I know, I knew that that was going to happen. And that's what it's like for Maple Leafs fans. See, here's the thing. This is why the Cowboys and the Maple Leafs, you know, the Spider-Man pointing meme with yeah. the, you know, the two Spider-Mans. That's the Leafs and the Cowboys because it's them. You, you have tremendous regular season success. You have a massive and divisive fan base where either you love the Cowboys and Maple Leafs or you hate them. Like, there's not very many people who are just in the middle, like, I don't really mind. I don't really care about the Maple Leafs one way or the other. Like, it's 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 black or white, like with both of them, right? And so I think when they implode, and in the last two, three decades, all they've done is implode in the postseason, everybody loves to grab their popcorn and watch it, right? Like, yep. who doesn't love, like... Uh, I would be hypocritical if I got mad at people for cheering against the Cowboys. I see it with the Maple Leafs. I get it. I get it. We're, as a Cowboys fan, we are the Maple Leafs, right? Like, not too long after the game ended, 
there was a photo of Dak Prescott going around yeah. where on his helmet they took off the star and they put the Toronto Maple Leafs logo on right. there. I don't think there's any like like I saw that question up on the rundown there about you know which team it draws that best comparison to the Dallas Cowboys from the NHL. There's no other comparison to there be made. It. It's Dallas and Toronto. They're, like I think you put it out as eloquently as you put. Like people love to see these two teams fail. And a big reason for that, I'm not saying you come across as this, but a lot of people from those fan bases act like every year is their year and they're the best thing on the planet. And they're both talked about ad nauseum uh, on on their respective radio shows and TV shows and podcasts. They're they're big revenue generators for their respective leagues. So, of course, people from other teams are going to look at them and be like hey and 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 just laugh when they're down they're the big i don't know about big bully but like everyone likes to see the the big guy who talks his crap all the time get knocked down to the ground that's essentially what's happening that's that's essentially what's happened with the leafs and 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 the dallas cowboys it is a perfect unison a perfect marriage between those two franchises it is it is what it is man so you know what would be a fun exercise to do? Although I don't think we could match up all 32. Like if you had the pair, every NHL team has an NHL, oh uh, sorry, every NHL team has an NFL equivalent. You know, like who, it's the buddy system, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, but I don't know, beyond the Maple Leafs and, uh, you know, beyond the Maple Leafs and the Cowboys. I was thinking about this. Like the Buffalo Sabres. Yes. Would they be the Detroit Lions? Or I mean, would they just be the Buffalo Bills? Like, like, like what would they be? Like, who would be their part? Who would be their spirit animal? In the- I get the Buffalo Bills thinking because there once upon a time the Bills weren't able to make the playoffs. Remember, they yeah. needed help in like a random Bengals Ravens game to get Andy into Dalton. the playoffs. Yeah. Like he's like he he's a hero. And it just ushered in this era where we now know the Buffalo Bills as a playoff team. Um, but yeah, you could totally make the argument that they're the Detroit Lions now, because up until yesterday, that was the team that couldn't get out of the first round. A similar exercise, um, that I was trying to do in my head, uh, yesterday, because a good buddy of mine, Drew Livingston, who, uh, works with us at the STPN, he was trying to figure out like, in terms of NHL teams and playoff success, like what's the closest comparable with the Detroit Lions. And I was trying to think of a team that hadn't like and basically what drew was trying to say was you try to think of a team that one didn't make the playoffs all that often and two when they did make the playoffs they didn't get out of the first round and at first i thought of the new york islanders because there was a time before john Tavares scored an ot winner like they hadn't gotten out of the first round in 23 years i want to say the florida panthers i think before they won uh have that president's trophy winning season in in 2022 and then they won in that first round that had been like the first time in like 20 something since, years well i think they the won first a series. Time, yeah yeah exactly first time in in ages like in fact the 90s right in in fact when the islanders won that first round series for the first time in how many years it was at the expense of the florida panthers john Tavares scored against them yeah. if, if my memory serves correct um the buffalo sabers might be that fit because but even then like if you look at the last like my my friend drew put up 30 years as a bit of like a a little bit of a a limiter here 
But like, yes, the Sabres haven't made the playoffs since like what 2011. But even before that, if you're going back, like they have a cup final appearance in there. Those were some good Sabres teams in the 2000s too. They've had their era where they were good. It's just been a bit of a dry spell. So it's been really. I mean, it's a similar exercise to what you're trying to do in terms of finding a buddy system with NFL teams and and, and N- with NFL teams and NHL teams. But nothing is going to beat the Dallas Cowboys, Toronto Maple Leafs comparison. It's two big franchises that suck up so much of the ecosystem in their respective leagues. And whenever they go down, it, it's ne- it's rarely ever quiet. When you, can you think of a time when the Dallas Cowboys got eliminated from the playoffs and it was just like a ho-hum, you know, oh. they, they, were, they, they weren't supposed to be in the situation anyway. It feels like it's always some kind of crazy situation, like a Jared Cook castle on the sideline, Dak Prescott running with the ball with how many seconds left when there's no timeouts. Similar to the Leafs, you lose to Nick Cousins last year. You blow a 3-1 series lead to the Montreal Canadiens. Those two franchises have found a way yep. to get eliminated in the most spectacular ways possible. The only thing you're missing if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan is that you haven't lost a game to like a random guy getting plucked off the street oh, and being named a kicker, which is kind of like the closest thing to like a Zamboni driver stepping in net. Some rando comes in and kicks a 43-yard field goal to win a game. Yeah, that's exactly. Dude, like uh, that would be like the most ra- like could you imagine <laughs> Like the Dallas Cowboys lose a game to like what's what's the equivalent of a Zamboni driver for what like someone who mows a like like cuts lawn on a, a fresh football field, like someone who paints the groundskeeper someone who a groundskeeper, someone who paints the lines on a football field. If they came up and it's like, all right, I got a kick for this team, and they beat the Cowboys, there would be memes unlimited until the end of time. That would be the closest thing to uh, a Zamboni driver beating the Toronto Maple Leafs as a goalie. Yeah. no, like, I love it, this. I'm running away with this. This is fun. Well, I'm looking forward to your column because I planted the idea in your brain. You're going to match <laughs> all 32 teams in the NHL with the NFL. So I'm looking forward to you uh, figuring out how Nashville is the Carolina Panthers or something like something random. I'm going like to have to call up. I'm going to have to call up DGB on that one because that's that's a DGB special. Pro- his brain uh, is the only one who's warped and twisted enough where he could just do stuff like that. I, I don't yeah. know if I have that creativity in me. No, it's uh, it's uh, it's a fun idea, you know. But but look, I think universally people seemed happy for the Lions that they yes. won a playoff game, right? For the most part, and I understand if you're a Packers fan or a, or a Bears fan, maybe you're not as happy. But let me ask you: Is there a team in the NHL like because the Buffalo Bills? A little bit in the NFL. I know you're just, but and the Lions, and even to some extent the Cleveland Browns, they're kind of lovable, right? Or like you, you know, like the, like how the Chicago Cubs were a few years ago when you were kind of like, ah, you know, I wouldn't mind if that team won. They kind of needed a championship. Um, does the NHL have a kind of lovable universe? You know what? I love those guys. I'd like to see them win. Or do we just all hate each other too much in hockey to have that happen? I feel like we that's just the nature of how fan bases work in the NHL, where so much of it is hyper local and a lot of people really just care about their Their own own teams, as opposed to the NFL, where it's become the soap opera and the popularity of fantasy football makes it that we find a way to care about every team in some way. 
because of how exciting the drama is and maybe you're betting on something or maybe you have a player on your team. And yes, it's fantasy hockey too, but I don't know. It just I feel like it just doesn't work that same way. What I'll say is this. I think if the Buffalo Sabres, it's not going to happen this year, but if they make the playoffs next year, I think a lot of people will at least breathe some kind of sigh of relief because I don't think you can go through all those years rebuilding on top of a rebuild and be too happy. Like I've seen some Buffalo Sabres fans over the last little while over some results really be down bad on the timeline, just express so much disappointment. This was supposed to be their year. I get it. The similar feelings are being felt in Ottawa right now. Uh, Detroit is still in the thick of things in that wild card race, but for Buffalo, a team that has not made the playoffs in over a decade, a team that started a rebuild, a team that had a franchise player a few years ago, like you would have thought that they should have been on the same trajectory as the Edmonton Oilers, considering you have McDavid going first overall and then Jack Eichel going number two. Jack Eichel eventually gets traded. There's a whole dispute over neck surgery. And not only does it go out and thrive in his new team, he wins a Stanley Cup. Jack, Jack Eichel has never lost a playoff series as an NHL player. That's right. Buffalo has endured so much hardship, at least from my outsider's point of view, that I think if they make the playoffs, you know, I don't even think they have to win. If they just make the playoffs, I think some people have to show some measure of sympathy. But I don't even think it'll be that much just because of how we we as hockey fans just I don't know if we have that in us to 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 like teams so much like That's like what, what the saying. Detroit Lions are able to do in the NFL where so many people were able to get on that bandwagon. But even then, it's been like 30, it was 32 years before they had won uh, a, a playoff game. Like, like they were showing all these older fans who were, were like the one season ticket holder who was a season six, ticket holder for like six, 66 years, I think it was. 66 years of a being a season ticket holder. Man, there are people who, who, yeah. who, who are trying to wait like five years to a decade to get on season ticket lists. But, like, I, I think a lot of people just, it's like a nice thing. Plus, Dan Campbell's the head coach. His personality has endeared has endeared himself to so many people around the league. I, I, I guess, it, I, but, like, I don't know if there's anyone like that. I, I see someone in the comments saying, like, yeah, Joel, Joel Menard. Yeah, uh, Joel. Seattle's, yeah, Seattle's the only one that's universally liked, and it's because they're new. No one feels that way for Vegas anymore. Yes, that's for sure. Vegas is they're almost like, you know, when we all hated the Patriots because the mm. Patriots were just kind of always winning. That's kind of Vegas now. Uh, we'd love to hear from uh, our listeners, uh, by the way, on this one. The Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Uh, give us some more. Like the, the, the Toronto Maple Leafs or the Dallas Cowboys. Give us some other NHL teams that might have like a spirit animal in another league. Help us out with this. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, 
Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. You know, you mentioned Jack Eichel uh, yeah. here a second ago, Julian. And, and you also mentioned our pal Sean McIndoo. Down Goes Brown. It's a nice segue into our next uh, topic of conversation, which is Down Goes Brown's uh, latest column looking at you know the his power rankings, top five, bottom five. This week, Julian, he's added the five teams that should be a little bit, maybe a little bit worried, not hitting the panic button, a little worried about their playoff chances because they might be playoff bubble teams. Now, there's a couple teams in there, Washington and Minnesota. I- I'm not too concerned about them. I-, I don't look at them as like real legitimate, you know, necessarily playoff locks. But the two teams that he mentioned in there, the LA Kings and the Vegas Golden Knights, Julian, in their last 10 games, Vegas has won three times. Los Angeles has won two times. So I ask you this. Is there legitimate concern in one or both of those markets that the Kings or the Golden Knights could potentially become a playoff bubble team or lose their status as a Stanley cup contender. Cause I think, you know, you go back three, four weeks ago, you would say Vegas for sure is a Stanley cup contender. The way the Kings were rolling, they were a Stanley cup contender. Do you think either of them could lose Stanley cup contender status this season? I'm, le- the regular I'm, season? Less, in- I'm less inclined to do that for Vegas because I still think they have just about everything you need to win. And teams go through rough patches. I, for whatever reason, I still think Vegas Unless they just completely bottom out here, I still think we've been sleeping on them, and I still expect them to be among the top three teams. L.A. Uh, they've they've had like an eight game losing streak at one point, and I I still see them as a playoff team. The one thing I'm concerned about is the fact that because they've played as poorly as they've played. And because Edmonton has played so well as they've played, they've they've won ten straight. Yeah, they've opened the door for not only for the Oilers to fully rise from the dead. The Oilers could end up being a top three team in that Pacific Division, right? Like, like I don't know if you've noticed, but like so many yep. teams in that Western Conference fighting for a wild card spot, it's pretty close. Uh, Minnesota at one point with with John Hines, they had won all these games to start, and they've fallen off as of late, but. Calgary, Seattle, I'm uh, trying to think of some other teams, Arizona, St. Louis, Nashville. There's some good teams fighting for playoff spots. And if you're the Los Angeles Kings, already you're expecting more from, from guys like Pierre-Luc Dubois. Already a lot of people are looking at your goaltending situation. And I think people were a little bit concerned at the beginning of the year. You've proven them right to this point. But if you're losing all those games, you know, you got to make sure that's in tip-top shape. If you're the Kings and you're fighting with all of those other teams for that wild card spot, I think they could still make it, but like, I don't know if you want to be put in that position. I'm not inclined to, I'll say this. I think for the Kings, because of how tough the West is, it's a lot harder to really grant them cup contender status. Colorado exists. Vegas is there. If Edmonton really digs out of this, I think they get that status back for, for Vegas. Like until I see, unless they fall out completely, I'm just going to dismiss this as a rough patch, but you know, maybe Jesse Granger is a better example. 
of 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 better examples of what's going on that's that's showing that they're wrong. But I I think Vegas is just too good. This is just a rough match. Yeah, you know what? Like, I'm blown away. You mentioned Edmonton's won ten in a row. Yeah, I was shocked that that's the first time in franchise history the Oilers had won ten in a row. Think about how dominant they were. 55, 50 win seasons were the norm in the 80s. Like, I looked it up, Julian, and I thought, okay, well, they never won 10 in a row in the regular season. Did they ever win 10 in a row in the playoffs? And I looked it up. And so even in 1988, you know what their record was in the playoffs, in the in the, in the the 88 playoffs? They were 16 and 2. They lost two games in the entire playoffs, and they never won 10 in a row. They won, That's I think insane. it was... Eight and then what? Whatever. And so they had one nine-game winning streak in the playoffs one year. They've never won ten in a row, and it's remarkable to me that they would have accomplished this now uh, and not in the eighties. But here we are, and the Oilers are coming in. I'm I'm with you. I, Edmonton's going to claw down one of those teams. The way this is trending, they're going to claw down one of those teams and move into a top three spot. Uh, in the Atlantic, and I'll tell you who's cheering for that. Vancouver or Winnipeg or Colorado or whoever's a division winner. You don't want to see Edmonton as a a wildcard team because imagine you you like slug it out for 82 games of regular season. You you win the division. You're like, ah, thank God. We did it, guys. We won the division. Who do we got in the first round as our reward? And it's, oh, yeah is McDavid and Dreisaitl and the others. Like, thanks, but no thanks. So yep. if I'm if I'm a division poten- team to potentially win the division, the Colorado-Winnipeg, uh, I guess maybe a little bit Dallas, but certainly Vancouver, I don't want Edmonton anywhere in that wild card race. Go get them. Go catch them and, and get them into that 2-3 spot. Was it? I think it was us last week where we were discussing potential – uh, playoff matchups, and I saw at one point it was. It might still be the case that it would be Winnipeg versus Edmonton in the first round. Like, could you imagine Winnipeg going through the season they've gone through, where they they begin the year, they sign uh, Shifley and Connor Hellebuck, they double down on their core when other people might have looked at them and thought, "Hey, maybe rebuilding is a good idea." They prove everyone all those people wrong and they say hey no we're the best team in canada if not one of the best and then you run up on a red hot edmonton oilers team with connor mcdavid you know how livid those jets fans would be you know how insane that would be but also we have to show some love to the edmonton oilers man like there was a point where in in the midst of all that losing i I, the cup contender status i think was going to be lost at least for that year and you know maybe they find a way to claw to the playoffs. I don't know, but I did not expect for them to get to this point where they'd win 10 in a row and basically erase the first like half of the season, essentially. And if Connor McDavid ends up, you know, climbing higher and higher into the scoring leaders and, you know, ends the year as a scoring leader, where does this rank among like MVP seasons for a guy? Cause like for him to just go from, an afterthought yeah. to 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 be a top player. I think that's really impressive. I think that would be incredible if the Oilers were able to pull this off and see if if if, if Vegas falls off, not so far off that they end up in 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 a wildcard chase. But like 
What if Edmonton goes on a superb run and they're fighting for a division? Yeah. I mean, we're in the halfway point of the year. Like Edmonton could go on an insane clip. And if Vegas is just mediocre, maybe that's possible. I don't know. Like, that's crazy. I, I think the Edmonton season, that's such a fascinating story for me. And I root for stories. And if they find a way to pull this off and be this dominant team at the end of the year, like, that's one of the most incredible things I've seen. You know what would be really cool? If you got to the end of the season and the three finalists for the Hart Trophy were Connor McDavid, Nate McKinnon, and Sidney Crosby. Can you imagine the fun debate that oh we would have? And, and, then, and, then, and I think then you could make the argument is that the greatest, you know, final three names. I have to look back. Maybe there was a year where Gretzky, Lemieux, and Iserman. Maybe there was a year where they were like one, two, three. But, I mean, you're not going to get better than that, are you? Like in today's I, I NHL, know. Nate, Sid, and McDavid, like you're not getting better than that. And you could make an argument for all three of them. Like, I mean, that's man, that would that would be you'd create a lot of content off of those three guys uh be just battling each other uh for a heart trophy. I, I feel like I would have a pretty good guess as to who would win that, but I like could you imagine like Rob Rossi stepping up on an, on an episode of the Athletic Hockey Show making a case for Sidney Crosby to win as he has done in articles before like I I I wonder how that would go for 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 us voters here uh, I that'd be really fun that'd be oh, awesome man. but I also think for Nikita Kucherov to be left off of that especially if Tampa makes it I would feel he's gotten a little slighted and I still and I think it would still be fun if it was uh, McDavid, McKinnon, and Kucherov. But I also think with Sidney Crosby being there for obvious reasons, it's more fun that way. You know what? Like, I, I just thought, remember I said to you, I wonder what year would have been like the best three ever to be on a ballot. Did you find it? Yeah. So I looked it up and I was right. It was Gretzky, Lemieux, and Iserman in 89. Okay. Jeez. And Patrick Waugh was fourth. So that, that's. Oh my God. Cool. Okay. But this is, I think. Like, here's the crazy thing. So, Mario Lemieux, uh, Julian, in the year that he scored 85 goals, okay, yeah. had 199 points, did not win the MVP as the best player in the NHL. <laughs> it, like, you know what it is to me? And I'm a bit of a baseball guy, too, from back in the day. It's like, yeah. people may not realize this, like, Ted Williams, who's the last guy to hit 400, like, he didn't win the MVP. The year he hit 406. And to me, Mario scored 85 goals and whatever, 199 points. And not those are the two greatest individual seasons, I think, in sports history that didn't end up with an MVP. But it went, uh, it literally went Gretzky, because that was his first year in LA. Yeah. Lemieux and then Eiserman, who had an unbelievable season. And he didn't like, he didn't win. Like. That's just, could you imagine if we had, imagine if we had podcasts back in those days and how people would debate great. 1989 podcast. Yeah. I mean, then again, radio was a thing. So I'm sure people, you know, found ways to talk about this. Remember radio? Yeah. Remember radio? (laughs) Dude, I look, I think any opportunity for us to have a fun, exciting, dynamic MVP chase like, I'm trying to think, what was the last time we had a really fun, 
MVP race. Uh, you, like, know, last you, you know, the, the one that comes to mind for me, and I don't know that fun would be the word. Controversial might be the word. Sure. I think it's 2000, 2002, and Jose Theodore edges out Jerome Ginla, and yeah. it was like, what? Like, yeah, uh, that's, that's true. It is, but it was a super close race, if memory serves me, in in 2002. I, I want to say it was like maybe the closest one ever when, uh, yeah, I'm looking at it right now. In fact, they, how about this? They actually tied in the number yeah. of votes. Um, Jose Theodore got 434 votes. Jerome McGinley got 434 votes. But because Jose Theodore had three more first place votes, he yeah, got it. And Aginla didn't. So that's that's the closest one. I, I don't think there's a closer one than that. I mean, I I man, that should have been it. Look, I remember that early Jose Theodore, like I don't know if oh, I love when, I love when Julian goes full French. But like that was like Jose around Theodore. that time, that's what I started getting into hockey. I was like, what, yeah. six, seven years old? There's the there's the 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 iconic Jose Theodore save where he's like He's on his back. He's turning around. He's trying to like get the puck out of his neck. Out of his neck. I think he get out of his net. He get, I think he uses like the paddle to get it out. Like that was the, Bo- that the Boston was on, series, right? The Boston series, like like uh, stuff like that. I that was, it was like Glenn high- Murray. Did he make that save on Glenn Murray? I don't remember if it was on Glenn I Murray. So. I need to rewatch that play. But yeah. like that was that was man. Like that's it's all coming back to me now. We're to Celine Dion. Like man. <laughs> That's crazy. You I, you know what's funny, man? Like I, I was I was doing a little guessing game with with a couple of friends a couple of days ago with Hart Trophy winners. Is is Jose Theodore when you go through all the the names of the Hart Trophy winners, like is he the name over the last like thirty years or so that makes you turn your head the most? Like Connor McDavid's on it a bunch of times. Austin Matthews has his. Nikita Kucherov won. Carey Price won, and he was the best goalie in the world at that point. Patrick Kane has his. Corey Perry has one, uh, which remember when Corey Perry was was Hart Trophy? Like, oh yeah, I, like, I think on this show too we were discussing whether or not he has a Hall of Fame resume. But like, Triple Gold Club member, Hart Trophy winner, like he has he has that stuff. It's just the points have to get to a thousand. But that's another thing. Taylor Hall, that's yeah. another name where people are like, oh, really? He won an MVP? Like what? I, I think with Theodore, like if you look at the at the history of the Hart Trophy in the NHL, virtually everybody on the list is a lock it in first ballot Hall of Famer, and at worst a Hall of Famer at some point. But the yes. three guys that I think you could make a debate would be Theodore, Corey Perry, and Taylor Hall. Where you're like, yep. mm, I'm not sure that those guys are Hall of Famers. Like like Hall would need. You know, like five or six more solid seasons, maybe a Stanley Cup or something, some sort of signature moment, and maybe he could get in. Perry, now I think his future is clouded for obvious reasons for whatever this was. And Theodore, I just don't think statistically, he was like a one-hit wonder, essentially, of the 2000s, right? Like, yeah. maybe that's a little harsh. Like, he was good for a long time. He just had one unbelievable season. But he's not yeah. going to the Hall of Fame. He's not. And also, like, like Jose Theodore, like, Compared to Carey Price, who that 2014-2015 season, that's going to go down as his best season as a pro. I think he even won uh, Canadian Athlete of the Year for for that. Like that was a dominant time. 
But like Carey Price had a stretch of good seasons. He was a top choice for Canada at the Olympics. There were so many different things that went into that. So when you see Carey Price win the Hart Trophy, you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense because he was the best goalie in the world. In that year, 2002, I mean, Hart Trophy, I mean, it's hard to argue against him. And Avesna, too, hard to argue against him being the best goalie in the world. But like, how long did he sustain that period? You know, like that's not, it it wasn't long for him at that front. So yeah, it's definitely going to, it's definitely going to be there. One other name that's on that list who is a Hall of Famer that I wonder if people would debate about before the Hall of Fame candidacy, Henrik Sedin. Like, I think the Sedin twins, incredible in Vancouver, and I have no problem with them being in the Hockey Hall of Fame. But before they got inducted, would they be part of that discussion as outliers? No, I don't think they were outliers. Like, I think they had strong Hall of Fame cases. Like, I think Perry, again, notwithstanding whatever this was, and we'll have to wait and see, but he's got a case. I wouldn't know. I don't know if it's strong, but he had a case. The Sedins had a strong case, right? I think they had a strong case. Okay. Um, there are a few, I think there are a few people who might not feel as strong. I, I agree. And th- those are the same people who think like Alfredson didn't have a strong case. I think, I think Alfredson exactly. and the Sedins are kind of in the same bucket. Like a lot of people would look at those guys as Hall of Very Good. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there are people that yeah. would. And for the context of our conversation, I think some people would look at a Henrik Sedin and be like, oh, yeah, wow, he's there. And actually, the year after, Daniel Sedin was a finalist for the Hart Trophy and lost yep. to Corey Perry, which is very interesting. But the, yeah, but there was a time when those two were among the best players in the world. So that's not as as far-fetched. I, I, I presume you have the list in, in front of you. Do you have the list in front of you of, of, Hart, of Hart Trophy winners? I do have it, yeah. Okay, because I, I I wanted to do like a I I'd see I'd seen one name there over the last how many years I was gonna do a guessing game with you if you have the list and you're gonna cheat. So there's like one name on the list that like it's it, they're a Hall of Famer and there's no doubt about their their credentials for that, but I still find it really fascinating and really hilarious that at least as long as. I've been alive. Yeah, I think it's safe to say this. As long as I've been alive, only one defenseman has won the Hart Trophy. I know. It's it's Chris Pronger in 99, right? Yeah, and like there was a point like a couple weeks ago where we were discussing if Quinn Hughes had a chance at it and if Kale McCarr had a chance at it. You you know what's weird? And I don't know if this is the reason why. And it's maybe it's the same reason why it's rare for goalies to win. Goalies have won it. Don't get me wrong. You mentioned yeah. Theodore, Price, whatever. But do you think the reason why defensemen and goalies don't win it is they have their own award? There is a Norris. There is a Vezina. But there's no, like, here's the best forward of the NHL. Is that why? Mm. Or no? I, 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 like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure you, but, about that. But, but, but when you say Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr, doesn't your mind automatically go to Norris when when you say Sorokin or you know whoever Thatcher Demko this year or whoever you want to put on the list of guys that have a good year? Does your mind automatically go to Vesna before it goes to Hart? Whereas with McDavid and Matthews and Crosby and McKinnon, your mind automatically goes to the Hart Trophy. No, my brain doesn't. My brain does not do that because I have seen. We we literally just had a discussion about Carey Price winning a Hart and a Vezina Trophy. We have seen guys who are not forwards, yeah, win I don't know, the Hart weird. Trophy for a defenseman. It for whatever reason, it's much more difficult. But because of how the game is, I mean, you could say changed in certain ways. But because of how impactful 
offensively, guys like Quinn Hughes and Kale McCarr, and even a Roman Yossi or an Adam Fox can be like it's so much less. It's 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 more plausible, I think, to put those types of players in a conversation for our heart trophy. I think if we were talking about more defensive defensemen, like if you were trying to make a case to me that like, man, because Hampus Lindholm has this incredible defensive rating, he should be a heart trophy candidate. I'd look at you a little weird, but if Quinn Hughes is going to be scoring all these points and hanging out with some of the top scoring leaders, like, yeah, I don't think it's that far fetched for me to think of them as a, Hart Trophy candidate. I think it has to be a special type of player. Chris Pronger, clearly special type of player. But for a guy like Hughes, for a guy like I mean, we're we're I think we're at a golden generation of offensive dynamic defensemen already. So to see any one of those guys come out of it and and be Hart Trophy worthy, like they're so important to their team, playing all the minutes they play, usually being all situations guys, and again contributing as much as they do offensively. I don't think it's as far fetched to think of a defenseman. And it wouldn't surprise me if over the next like five, 10 years, at least one of them wins. Like, what if Caleb Carr goes bonkers one year and puts up video game numbers and ekes out a heart trophy win over like Nathan McKinnon because he's so important to his team? Yep. I don't think it's that I don't think it's that far fetched. Man. Uh Joel points out uh, that, you know. The Art Ross Trophy is something for forwards. I guess the Rocket Richard, too, to some extent, is a yeah. forwards-based uh, award. Uh, Michael points out to us here that when we're talking about the best possible well, trio... What's it for the player who leads... Well, the Art Ross is for the player who leads in scoring points. It doesn't have to go to a forward. Well, or has done it, right? Or did it, but that's it. Like No, no, no other defenseman really truly flirted with winning a scoring title. Even Coffey, when he was getting 40 goals and 100... He wasn't ever gonna win the art ross trophy right Right. but like if but like if a defenseman and this goes for the rocky richard too they're for the players who lead in scoring if kale mccarr has himself this god tier year where he finds a way to score like 45 goals and that somehow leads the league in goals you're gonna tell me he's not gonna win mvp if kale mccarr puts up 125 points yeah i'm not saying but he, you, like, to me, there's no way a defenseman wins the Rocket Richard. Like it's just no, not there's happening. no way. Yeah. There's no way. But if it does, like yeah, for sure. What then, are we going to have that? What are we going to like? Come on, like I, I think I think it, we're both we're both PW PHWA members, and we both have abilities to vote on these awards. Like if it got to a point where a defenseman won the Rocket Richard and they yeah. didn't win MVP, that would cause an immense amount of debate. Oh, That's it wouldn't like an amazing. No. <laughs> what, what, what? I know it wouldn't happen. happen. I know it wouldn't happen. But what if it did? What if it did? Like, and you did, and you didn't vote for 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 this player to win MVP. Wouldn't it be like what like Eric Carlson went through last year? Yeah, where like he put up like a hundred points. And I'll admit it, I was one of those people who didn't vote for him for that award because I was trying to make it more balanced. But there were people who were like, "Hey, like, why didn't you vote for Eric Carlson for the Norris?" That was a genuine discussion. So, like, if a defenseman finds a way to do that and lead the league in goals somehow like the game will have really changed and if we don't compensate that not compensate but if we don't award the players due with a heart trophy especially if that if that helps the team make the playoffs people are going to be looking at us like what are you doing yeah gordon also points out as gordon is watching us here uh that the selkie 
award is for a forward goes to the best two-way mm-hmm. defenseman. So, but, but I don't know, like, I, I don't feel like McDavid, like this year, if you're asking me who's the best forward in the NHL, my mind automatically goes to some combination of McDavid, McKinnon, yeah. Crosby, Matthews, like, the, 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 like, but none of those guys would necessarily be top of mind for Selkie. Although Toronto fans would be like, Austin Matthews deserves Selkie love. And, you know, but like, but like having, and, and no disrespect to the Selkie award, but like Connor McDavid doing all that to compete for a Selkie award is like driving a Lamborghini. It's like driving a Lamborghini through a mud road. Like why? Like he doesn't need a Selkie. To no. prove that he's that good, we don't we don't need him to be competing for Selkie trophies. No, it's a moot point. No, it's way cooler if it's the other way around, and you see Kale McCarr, a defenseman, right up there among scoring leaders. It's way cooler to see the opposite as opposed to a really skilled forward, even Sidney Crosby, who does everything so well in yeah. the game. Like if he well, for I'll say this: if he wins a Selkie somehow in his career, like we'll be like, wow, that's. That's really cool. We don't need Sidney Crosby competing for defensive forward here. We don't need that. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Speaking of Crosby here, I just want to ask you about, and we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference playoff race because it's super compelling in the wild card. But as we get closer to the trade deadline, and I, I know we're still like seven weeks away from it, is there a more, I don't know what the word would be, 
explosive situation, interesting situation than what the Penguins are facing with Jake Gensel. Like, like to me, Julian, they're going to be in the playoff mix at the deadline, right? Like, it's fair to say the Penguins should be in the, the mix for the wild card in the East. If you're Kyle Dubas, I mean, you can't, can you trade Gensel when you're in a playoff race? Like, this guy is, I mean, if he's healthy, he's a lock it in 35, 40 goal guy. One of the best playoff performers in the past five years, right? Like he scores at an unbelievable rate uh, in the postseason. Like, like Gensel, I think it's it's yeah, it's thirty four goals in fifty eight playoff games. So if you're Kyle Dubas and you get to March the eighth, and the Penguins are still right in the mix, but Gensel's not signed to an extension, can you trade him? Because I don't know that you can. Okay? Don't you just hang on to him at that point and say he's a quote-unquote own rental and just let it be? Like, what are you getting back for Jake Gensel on March 8th that justifies the move? I don't know. I'd rather just lose him for nothing, but that's just me. Do you get a fir- If you get a first-round pick, that starts something, right? Oh. Uh, do you Like the Pittsburgh Penguins, unless I have it wrong, they only have their second, their fourth, their sixth, and two sevens. And this is a team with an aging core. And I get it. They tr- they're trying to win. Like, who gives a damn about draft picks if you're a team that's trying to win? But for a team like Pittsburgh, where they're closer to the end of their cup window compared to being in the middle, like a team like Colorado, at some point you're gonna you, you can't say f them picks the whole time. You're gonna need to get something. And if Jake and if you find yourself further out and and dealing away Jake Jake Gensel, there's a significant market for him. I don't know. Like you, you have to at least consider it. I'm curious if that opens up, considering team salary cap pictures and whatever teams are going to be available and what their priorities might be. But like, I don't know. Like I, it's a really fascinating situation because you're right. Like on, on that, on I, I could see the Penguins in some way saying, you know what, we got to keep him. Zone rental, own rental. We still have to hang in this. We have to do it for Sydney. We have to do it for Evgeny. We have to do it for Chris. We got Eric Carlson. We're trying to win. But if you're in a position where you can't win, you know, and you enter the offseason with the players that you have and not a lot of draft capital, I don't well, know if that's the most ideal position to be in. But I don't know. But, but, but you traded for Eric Carlson in the summer because you were theoretically in a win now window, not in a yeah. let's build for the future. So to me, signing Car- or sorry, trading for Carlson in July. And then turning around and trading Gensel at the deadline, those are two conflicting ideologies, aren't they? Like one of them is we're in it to win it. And the other is like, which, so which one is it? Like, I, I think you just keep Gensel. If you're in the playoff race and Gensel's healthy and he's productive, you keep him and whatever happens, happens. And if you don't win a cup, maybe you trade him in that window around the draft to a team for the negotiating rights. And maybe you pluck a third out of them. Or a pick. What's like? No, no. But like, but like to your to your point about ideologies. What's wrong with trying to win now, realizing you're not in that position, doing a quick retool move, and then the off season you reassess, you make make moves, and then you go at it again. If you're not winning now, but 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 if you're 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 not winning now, you're you're not getting anything. What are you doing? But like, Like, but let's say let's say you don't get into that playoff spot. What do you have to show for it? Oh man! Like you know what? It'd be interesting to look up. 
Has there, has there been, this is what, remember, this is the Islanders problem with Tavares a few years ago was they were like a playoff bubble team and they're like, I don't know what to do. And they hung on to him. And now granted hindsight's 2020 and they should, maybe they could have or should have moved on from and Gensel's not as iconic to Pittsburgh as Tavares was to Long Island, right? Like I get that. I understand that big time, but I, I just look at this situation and I think if I am Pittsburgh and I've told Sid and Gino and Latang that we got one last ride, guys. Boy, how are you trading Gensel? That's all. I mean, no, but to your point, like when it comes time for it, depending on what assets you get, and trade that next year, you might be like, okay, well, we need some extra scoring. Oops, we traded away a guy who's going to provide that extra scoring. But at the same time, like, if you're a general manager, as much as you want to win, like you, you have to have some kind of eye for 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 future. You can't just have your cupboard completely bare, especially if you're an aging team, even with the players that you have, even with the players that they have right now, they're only in the thick of things for a playoff run. Like it's not a guarantee that they they go out and win. And I think and it's cap it's possible to even be in a playoff spot, I'm not saying the Pittsburgh Penguins would do this, but I think of the National Predators from last year where they were chasing a playoff spot. They sold, yeah. and they almost made it, and now they're competing for a playoff spot. And that's a team that that's a, the you summer know, that's before, a great, great, great and example. The, and, the, yep. and, 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 and the summer before all of that, they signed Philip Forsberg to an extension. Like, you can do it where if you realize you're not a team that's doing well enough, you're in that mushy middle, you retool, and if you're confident enough in your team to really go out and compete, you could just reload and, and and send them back out there and maybe they make it to the playoffs. Maybe they compete for a playoff spot. There are teams that may that would rather sorry, there are fans that would probably rather see their team just fold. Not fold. Fold is the wrong word I should use here. But they should probably, you know, uh, I mean, sell I mean, off relocate. assets. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I, I don't know if relocate works. <laughs> I think there are fans who would much rather see their see their teams in that situation, sell off as many assets as they can get, go right. through a rebuild and do it properly. But the reality is, you don't know how long that rebuild will take. A retool, while it does come across as patchwork, especially if your team's competitive, like it's a safer thing to do. And if you're Pittsburgh and Crosby's still playing at a high level, Malkin's still playing at a high enough level, Latang too, you have Tristan Jerry there. If you have to move on from Gensel, but you're able to get a significant return that could help you out in the in the immediate. And in the long term, because at some point when those when those three guys, Latang, uh, Crosby, and and Malkin decide that they're done playing, you know, un- unless Kyle Dubas or whoever's in charge is crazy enough to trade them for assets, you're probably not going to get anything for those guys, and it's going to be a long period of hurt for you to get back up there unless you have enough pieces in your stable who can help accelerate that process. So I think if you're in a position where you can move on from Jake Gensel and you get something worthwhile, I don't think it's that far fetched. I I I I it depends on what your roster looks like after the fact. Yeah. But I think if you can get assets that can help you later on, like I don't think it's that wrong. Okay. So I'm gonna uh, we're gonna have a little exercise here. And and I'm gonna leave the flyers out of this because right now they're sitting in a divisional spot. So they're not in the wild card race per se, even though they kind of like, they're right in there. But I'm going to leave the Flyers out of this. Julian, I'm going to list six teams here in the Eastern Conference. Now, you can only pick two of them 
to make the playoffs and get a wild card spot. So only two of these six teams are likely going to make the playoffs this season. I want you to tell me of these six teams, who are the two that you're picking? Okay. Uh, okay. So there's New Jersey, there's Detroit, there's the Islanders, there's Tampa Bay, there's Pittsburgh, and there's Washington. So Devils, oh, Red Wings, Islanders, Lightning, Penguins, Capitals. You can only pick two that you're like, you know what? That team, I believe these two teams are making the playoffs. Who are you going with? Oof. Too bad we don't have like, uh, you know, the music they play for who wants to be a millionaire when you have like the. Are we going to phone a friend now? No, I don't need to phone a friend. I just like, you know, this, this would just enhance the experience here. Um, I've, I've been very, I've been on, I've been, uh, I can't count out Tampa unless until further notice. Uh, they're right now tied on points with uh, Detroit. They have a lesser points percentage. So I'll say that Tampa makes it because I really think with the team that they have, they still have enough for, you know, one more, not one more playoff appearance, but they can, they can still make the playoffs, which kind of, which leaves New Jersey, who I'm still really surprised about. They need a goalie. They need help at that back end. Well, I feel like the Devils are likely going to be without Dougie Hamilton for the year. Yeah, but that's Jack Hughes up, has been banged up. LTIR. Like, like they're, there's, they're a banged up team. Like, yeah, and they can't with that goaltending and without Hughes and what Timo Meyer has been banged up. Like you can't outscore that type of goaltending without Jack Hughes in the mix, right? Without yeah. Dougie Hamilton in the mix. So boy, this, gonna this be year tough. might have to be a write-off, which kind of sucks because the Devils, the Devils spent last year um, exceeding expectations and then injuries just kind of held them back this year. Like that—that's a bit of an unfortunate situation for them. I don't know if they're going to make it at this point. I—I would love to be proven wrong. The Islanders—I don't know if I trust the Islanders. They—it seems like whatever they're, whatever you think the Islanders are supposed to be out of it, they find a way to hang around in that mushy middle, as I keep alluding to. I don't know if they have enough to do it, but if they make it, I'm not going to be completely surprised. So I'll say Tampa, man, Pittsburgh—if they miss. They really need to make it. Washington, I'm not as convinced about. I'm okay with discarding them. Detroit, man, they, they got that win over Toronto. They've yesterday. really bounced back lately. Like they've yeah. they've shown some pushback here in kind of a as Max Boltman wrote about do it like kind of this is a season defining stretch for the Red Wings and they've answered the bell in the last man. week. But Six only two of these teams ten. can make it. Oh, God, I man, I. Uh, these are always tough. I think it's Tampa for me for sure. And I think because they've looked better at different points in the year. And I mean, maybe they could still fall off and, you know, hopefully Patrick Kane is okay, but I think Detroit and Tampa could end up making it. And sorry, the Islanders, Devils, Penguins, Capitals. I just, I just haven't seen enough from your teams yeah, this yeah. year for me to really believe in you to make it. And it sucks because Washington uh, was fighting in that Metro division. And, uh, you know, they've kind of fallen on a bit of a, a tough sled. But, like, man, Detroit, I think that this has to be the year they they end that skid of, of not making the playoffs. The Lightning, again, they have too many good players for me to see them outside of the playoffs. So you mentioned Washington. It has been a really tough year for Ovechkin. Yeah. Missed both games on the weekend with a lower body injury. Seems to be day-to-day. Doesn't seem to be. A long-term thing, but 
at that halfway point of the season, Joe, guys got eight goals in 39 games. Eight goals Dude. for the great eight. So I ask you this. At the halfway point of the season, does Alex Ovechkin get to 20? And I can't believe that I'm asking that question. Like, like if you think about the consistency in which he's produced 40 and 50 goal seasons for the better part of a decade and a half, to come crashing down where it's legitimate to ask, is he going to get 20? I'm not sure he is because he's not 100% healthy. He's got eight in the first half. It would require, I don't know. Like, it's not a lock. Isn't that wild? It's not a lock that Alex Ovechkin scores 20 this year. Is that, has there ever been a year in Alexander Ovechkin's career where teammates outscored him in terms of goals? Ooh. Yeah. I, boy. Like, where How he, many wasn't, times is that, where he where wasn't, wasn't the, the team, team leader? In goals. In points, he still, I think he still leads in points. But in terms of goals, there are three players right now who are better than him in goals. Three teammates right now. Man, there was better. that one. There was one year where like Alex Semin was like, remember Alex Semin was pretty good. Nope. Ovi had more yeah. than him. Like, um, like even a year he had like 32 in like, like a 48 game season. Like, yeah, he had 32. Like the, the, the next guy after him was Troy Brower. Jeez. Like I, I don't know. I mean, oh, you're right. I, I just looked it up. I don't, I don't believe in his entire career a teammate has outscored him. So, the fact that we have to debate if he's going to get to 20 goals, like, God, he might not make. He might get 15, 20, 19. 15 for sure. I think is it 15 feels safe, but I think it's a legitimate question to ask if he gets to 20. That is just, but that's wow. If he gets to 19, what do you do? In your career, like that's that's such a it would be it would be pretty disappointing to see considering the 40, 50, 60 goal seasons he's been able to put up. And I think a lot of us will be asking what if from all those seasons before. I'm not saying he's retiring, but like obviously his chances at Gretzky's record will be significantly slowed. And that will be a storyline we don't really get to take in Um, whether. Yeah, it's just. It would just be a really, it would sort, of, it would, it, it, it would be, it would be very weird. Uh, but yeah, I don't see him. I don't know. It's so hard to go against him, right? Because it, like every other point in his career, when he's looked down and out with the goal score, he uh, finds a way to turn it up. But this year, but never like goals, this. Like, like we talk about outscoring, outscoring guys. Is this also this is this is also the first year where, you know, like I get it. He doesn't like go to the All Star game all the time and. He's even been suspended for games after the fact for skipping right. on it. This is probably the first time where when the NHL decided on who they were going to take uh, in, for the NHL All-Star game, they were like, uh, we don't need to take Ovechkin. Tom Wilson's going for the Capitals this year. And by the way, our producer Chris Flannery points out that in 2017, Ovechkin was tied for the team leading goals with 33 with one TJ Oshie. TJ and Ovechkin each had 33. Uh, but but Man. your your point, your original point still remains valid, which is no teammate has ever outscored Alex Ovechkin in goals in a season in Washington since 2005. 06. And now and now three guys right now have more goals than him. And yeah. one of them is like it's like Anthony Manta, Tom Wilson, Dylan Strom. Wow. Yep. Wow. 
indeed. Hey, let's wrap up. I want to, uh, to to hit on something that the Panthers did on the weekend involving yeah. Matthew Kachuk. I guess if you did this for Ovechkin, you'd probably go with a tinted visor. But yeah, the Florida Panthers did a bobblehead giveaway in in their home rink on the weekend of Matt uh, Matthew Kachuk, and the bobblehead had the mouth guard dangling out of his mouth because that's the signature look for Matthew Kachuk. The question I have for you, Julian, the question I have for the listeners of the pod, if you were designing a bobblehead of anybody in the league right now, like what other guys would actually have like a distinctive element to their bobblehead? So Matthew Kachuk would have the mouth guard hanging out. Like I said, I think if you did Ovechkin, you could do a tinted visor. Is there anybody else in the league that has like a, signature look a distinctive look something that like hey i I would incorporate that into a bobblehead was that it is that the list like because like ovechkin an ovechkin bobblehead it's the tinted visor but the yellow laces yellow laces yeah like you need that for sure um quinn hughes if you do quinn hughes it seems like almost every photo we see of him especially through memes he looks worried all the time yeah so it'd be pretty funny if you just had a bobblehead of him just looking worried but i don't think he'd like that but but didn't uh-huh. didn't the Kraken do a Tanev bobblehead with the surprise look? You didn't get they like do that already? Brandon Tan a Brandon Tanev oh, sorry, bobblehead. A, a Brandon Tanev. So what did I say? Where he Brandon Tanev. Look, they they did it right with that look. Yeah, like I I would love that. Uh, but in terms of a unique look, I guess it would have to be really you equipment based, right? I mean, I can't think of anyone. Like Kachuk with the with the with the mouth guard out, like that's that's really good. That was kind uh, of Patrick producer. Kane back in the day too, wasn't it? Like Patrick Kane was the mouth guard dangling guy, wasn't he? Yeah, I could yeah I could see that as like a, it's not something I, I focused on that much, but yeah yeah he definitely had that. Actually, you know what? On the cover of uh, one of the NHL video games he was on, he, he the the I think was it NHL ten? There is like the mouth guard like out. Like he he's definitely doing that. That could easily be a Patrick Kane thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Man, I forgot. But about I don't that. know. Like, like I don't know if there is any anyone else. Uh I I think it has to be equipment based for sure. Um I, I guess there are some subtle stuff like producer Chris is mentioning, like Yarmir Yager, if you had one of him, like the jersey tuck in the back or Gretzky tuck on the side, but that's like too subtle. That's too, that's not and, like, and it's old, like it's old school. Like I'm just like in today's kind of era of players, are we at the point where like nobody has anything unique about them other than Matthew Kachuk has a mouth guard that dangles out of his mouth? Like Ovechkin has a tinted visor. Crosby doesn't have anything. Did, did Brad doesn't have anything. Didn't Brad Marshall look a guy? Do you want like his tongue out or something? Like, oh, man. <laughs> The Brad Marchand with the retractable tongue bobblehead. Oh my god! It'd be funny, but you might not like that. I don't know. You. No. That's another thing, right? Like you have to, like if you really want to have fun with it, like the players have to be willing to have fun at their own expense, and not everyone is willing to do that. No, as we've learned uh, in this league. So anyway, we'd love to hear from our listeners on that one. Hit us up, the Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. The Athletic Hockey Show at gmail.com. Weigh in on anything that the two of us have uh, hit on today, whether it's the customized bobbleheads, whether it's the uh, spirit animal teams uh, with, with NHL teams and other leagues, whatever it is, the athletic hockey show, uh, gmail.com. 
that's pretty much it, man. This hour really flew by. It did. Really, it's like boom, sixty minutes of uh, of nonstop hockey talk. You and I are back at it on Tuesday with Mike Russo. Drop hey, it. never a dull moment. Go. Hey, yeah, I love Russo. I love, yeah. I'm excited for that. Yeah, so Mike Russo will drop by on the Tuesday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show with Julian and I. Thanks for listening to the Monday edition of the Athletic Hockey Show. Leave us a uh, rating and review. You know that we would appreciate that. You can follow us on YouTube at youtube.com slash at the Athletic Hockey Show. Right now, you get a one-year subscription to The Athletic for $2 a month when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show.